Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wassalamun ala ibadihi alladhi nasafa Amma ba'd A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Walladhina jahadu fina Lanahdiyannahum subulana Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad Wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad Wabarik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad Wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad Wabarik wa sallim اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم. All of us in this room have goals, and we have certain actions that we would like to achieve. We may, in our minds, recognize the value of those actions. But often, achieving them is much more difficult. For example, I may know that I have a goal of reading two pages of Quran a day. And although that may not be a lofty goal, that would be a very big deal if it was consistent. But knowing and acting are two very different things. I know what I need to do. By the way, knowing is a big deal as well because many people have no idea what direction they're headed in. But even after we know, it's often difficult to do. And this doesn't plague only the Muslim who's trying to achieve as much as they can in the life of this world. Honestly, it it plagues all of humanity. Meaning... Many people know what they need to do, but doing it is a completely different story. You go into a, if you go into a high school, you can divide high school students into like different categories. There's one group of high school students, they don't even know what to do. They don't even care. They're just there. They're there because they're supposed to be there. They're just sort of moving along because that's what they're supposed to do. And then there's another group of students that actually knows what they need to do, but isn't able to do it because of their own laziness, because of their procrastination, because of their bad habits. And then there's a third group of students, they actually know what they need to do, and they're doing what they need to do, and those tend to be the top students in the school. So you might have 1,600, 2,000, 2,500 students in a high school, and you can subclassify most of the students in these three categories. In fact, like I said, you can subclassify much of humanity in these three categories. So one of the principles that we're going to discuss today is how to maximize our efficiency in the things that we want to do. And, of course, this is a long, lengthy discussion, and there's many, many, many points that are related to it. But I'm just going to share one, which is this idea that it's beneficial to take advantage of momentum. Beneficial to take advantage of momentum. And again, this is I mentioned this, we had a retreat this weekend, 
And uh, there were many brothers here from different places, and I, and I shared this with them. And I see some of the brothers are still here, but so it might be a bit of repetition, but I'm just sharing it because it happens to be the first thing on the tip of my tongue. I'll give you an example um, of momentum, just so that you can understand the concept. One of the recommendations that's given by our deen is to take advantage of the time after we wake. Right? I think, um, by the way, if you took, if you took a 24-hour cycle and you divided 24 hours into times, big windows of time and asked yourself, what are the times um, of barakah for various acts, you would find that one of the great Times of barakah is early in the morning. In fact, uh, the Prophet ﷺ made dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the ummah in its early mornings. And the Prophet ﷺ used to send uh, his um, delegations early in the morning. And in fact, interestingly, the companion who narrates that the Prophet ﷺ used to send his delegations in early in the morning also says that he himself used to send his caravans early in the morning. And because he sent his caravans early in the morning, there was tremendous barakah in his transactions. So I'm giving just a simple example here, which is that there tends to be a lot of barakah early in the morning. Now when you think about the morning, one of the benefits of the morning as opposed to the rest of the day is that the momentum of focus and energy is on our side. The momentum of focus and energy is on our side, and the distractions have been dissipated. So it's a very powerful time for anyone who wants to achieve anything, whether that be the Muslim who's trying to achieve their goals of proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or even if any of you are trying to do better in your school, trying to do better in your work, trying to do better in any aspect of your life, there's a lot of barakah in the morning. Now again, I mentioned one of the reasons for that is that the purity of that time because the momentum is on your side. And again, I started this talk by saying that it's good to take advantage of momentum. But what do I mean that the momentum is on your side? When a person goes to bed at night, everything shuts down, right? I mean, essentially, they have been asleep for two, five I mean, two is not going to be the case at night, but let's say they've been asleep for five, six hours, seven hours. And while sleeping, everything is reset. All of the chaos that was in my mind before I went to bed, because I'd bring a day's worth of chaos to bed, correct? I go out there in the world, I talk to people, I meet with people, I engage in things. I may see this, I may see that, I may read this, I may read that, I may, I may hear this, I may hear that. All of that chaos is kind of floating in my head. So when I go to bed, one of the things that happens is that all the inputs shut down. Everything around me no longer enters. My ears are no longer listening, my eyes are no longer seeing, my tongue is no longer speaking. So first thing, you close all the doors. All the inputs are down. The second thing is that the brain begins to decipher all of that, all the things that happened throughout the day and begins to delete everything that's superfluous. For example, the brain begins to realize that 
that conversation was worthless, delete it. What I saw there was worthless, delete it. What I heard here was worthless, delete it. So now the brain begins to just literally, I mean, there's this wave of fluid that crosses over the brain slowly, back and forth and back and forth. And you can think of it as it's just doing this washing of everything in the brain. And what it, it's kind of like a pruning. I almost think of it like a, like a landscape team. They come in and they cut, you don't need this bush, you don't need this bush, you need this tree, you don't need this, you know, weed, you, need, you don't need this weed, you need this flower. So it's a very, very, very powerful thing that happens in the brain in the night. Number one, you shut down everything coming in. And number two, you rearrange the shelves. It's almost like, you can think of it like, when they shut down Walmart at midnight. If you go in Walmart at 10 o'clock at night, it's like chaos. Things are here and things are there and somebody put clothes in the food section and the food is in the clothes section. All Things are all over the place. It's a big mess. What do they do? They shut the door. Right? But the workers are working. They reset the whole store. Everything gets restocked. And everything gets put back where it's supposed to be. They clean up everything. And if you go in the morning, all the good stuff is out. Right? Everything is all reset. So the brain is very similar. All the inputs shut down at night. And everything gets reset. What's good remains and what's garbage gets expunged. And in fact, this is the you know, very beautifully captured, وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ subata. وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ subata. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an, and we made your sleep as a repose. As a repose. It's one of the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sleep is one of the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sleep as, as far, vis-a-vis us. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously does not need rest, nor does slumber overtake him. But we require, we, we require this repose to reset ourselves. So anyway, the reason I'm giving you these details is to let you know that when you wake up, the momentum's on your side. What do I mean by that? So the world has been disconnected. You know, if you ever say to yourself, I wish I could isolate myself from the world, and true, you know, I wish I could be spiritual, like I would lock myself in a cave and just reset. You're resetting every night. You know, they call that in, the, in the, the parlance of spiritual development, they call that khalwa. Khalwa means to go into an isolation for some time to reset yourself. It's like an i'tikaf, right? You, you basically close the doors, isolate yourself so that you can stop all the input and expunge the garbage. So what's happening is every night when we sleep, we're going into like a, like a, like a physiologic i'tikaf. It's like a physiologic khalwa. Nothing's coming in and everything inside is getting reset. So what happens is now all the momentum when you wake up in the morning is on your side. Right? I mean, it's the, one of the most powerful times of the day. The momentum is going with you. You wake up in the morning, there's no garbage in the mind. You wake up in the morning, you can easily, you know, you're not trying to, you're not like trying to muddle through a swamp. The lanes are clear. You can easily move and quickly get to your goal. So the first thing when a person wakes up in the morning and what they do for the first hour, 45 minutes, hour and a half, whatever it might be, you know, roughly that time window, is a very productive time in a person's life. Very productive time in a person's life. And so two things. First, you never want to ruin that. You never want to ruin the set stage the momentum that's on your side. 
So how does it get ruined? Let's just start there. How does it get ruined? Well, if you understand that the whole thing that was happening was that everything gets reset, then the way that it gets ruined is by bringing chaos in right away. So if the first thing that happens when I wake up is I grab my phone, and now I let all that input reset me back to how I was before I went to sleep, then all I've done is just create, brought in a tornado when everything was reset. Spiritual tornado, physiologic tornado, metaphysical tornado, you can describe it how you want, but essentially it's like a tornado because these devices, they have so much going on, there's so much to see, there's so much to hear, there's so much to, uh, to say with your fingers in this day and age, that all of a sudden it creates chaos very quickly. And it very quickly resets a person back to how they were the night before. So one piece of advice about momentum is to not ruin momentum. When you spent hours and hours and hours and hours developing clear space, developing clear space, and purging all of the stuff that was going on, you don't want to jump back into chaos the first minute. You want to take advantage of the first, let's say, again, hour, hour and a half, two hours, to do the thing that's most important to you in your life. What's the most important thing for you for that week or for that month or for that year or for that five years? So, for example, you know, if you ask me or I ask anybody in the room, I would assume, you know, what's the most important thing to you? The most important thing to me is my relationship with Allah. And I have an opportunity to, without any, without, with minimal distractions and greatest focus and most momentum, to be able to engage Allah. So, the first thing I'm going to do is going to wake up, I'm going to refresh myself through wudu, I'm going to head to the masjid, because all momentum is on my side. There's no distractions. You don't wake up in the morning, you don't wake up first thing in the morning thinking about all these other things that are going on. You don't have much to distract, we don't have much to distract us in our heads. So we should think about what's the most important thing and how long we're going to preserve that momentum. So again, the first thing you don't want to do is certainly don't want to grab a phone, certainly don't want to jump on email, certainly don't want to uh, get involved in something. Usually these challenges are not there. Honestly, it's fairly easy to maintain this momentum if you just make a rule for yourself that the first hour I wake up, I'm not going to touch the phone. By the way, there's no difference. You were sleeping all the time anyway. All of a sudden, if you wake up at 6 or you wake up at 5 or you wake up at 7, you're not going to know the difference. The only difference was you were sleeping. It doesn't make a difference if you pick up the device at that time. The device will be fine. So... We should be, number one, be wary of jumping into that. And number two, we should leverage that time to do the things that are important to us, such as ibadah. Maybe we have a routine of Quran. Maybe we have a routine of dhikr. Maybe we have an important task that we need to do. Honestly, maybe even I'm just a law student or an engineering student or a medical student or a high school student. It's a really powerful time to do something that I feel is beneficial for me. So this is why... Generally speaking, when you think about, you know, dhikr and having a routine and thinking about the things I want to do to advance myself as a Muslim, the mornings are full of barakah. So it's a really good time to read Quran, a really good time to, um, to, uh, to uh, uh, for example, um, uh, do your adhkar. And by the way, you know, it, the, the deen is not devoid of that wisdom in the sense that you know that the Prophet ﷺ, one of his 
the sunnahs was to come to the masjid for fajr, and he would often sit all the way until the sun rose. Now, mind you, they used to pray fajr relatively early, right? So, you know, in this masjid, we pray half an hour before, and it's like a challenge to sit. But think about praying fajr at relatively at the beginning of the time, and then basically sitting all the way until after sunrises. How much time would be available to a person to be able to do important things and to keep their mind clear? And this is one of the hikmas, or one of the, obviously we know the, the, the Prophet ﷺ told us that the person who prays two rakah after the sun rises, after having sat remembering Allah in the masjid, what's their reward? Their reward is a hajj and an umrah, right? So it's a really, really big reward, um, according to hadith. And part of the power of that reward, part of the reason for the power of that reward is because of the focus and momentum that's present. There's no distraction at that time for the one who is just a little sensible about the way that they handle themselves. Now, this principle, by the way, is going to apply to many, many, many different dimensions of our life. For example, I can tell you that, you know, one of the crises of today, and I'm going to, I'm biased because I'm a physician, but one of the crises of today is diabetes and the weight gain that people are experiencing and um, the lack of health and often which is just really highly correlated to the diet. You know, I mean, 80% of disease is in America particularly is all related to diet. And um, one of the beneficial things that I can tell you is uh, nowadays people have come around to this, but just it makes sense to me from the perspective of Dean as well that, look, when you go to bed at night, you just fasted the whole night. Now, I don't mean a technical legal fast because a technical legal fast occurs from before uh, dawn all the way until sunset, correct? So that's the Islamic fast. But what I mean is that your body was in fasting mode while you slept. No matter how much of a muncher you are, no matter how many you know snacks you like to eat, no matter how many times you like to uh, take a break and go into the pantry, it doesn't happen while we're sleeping. Right, A person who's sleeping seven, six, seven hours, the momentum that they've built up is that they haven't been eating. Now, there's a lot of benefit to not eating, spiritually and physically, because when a person doesn't eat, it resets their entire chemistry. And what happens is then as they go further, the longer their fast occurs, you get this physiologic biochemical reset where now the body is starting to burn the things that it needs to burn. It's burning all the garbage. It's removing the fat. It's doing other important things. So not eating at night is really, really beneficial for us. In fact, it just falls back under the rubric of وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ سُبَاتَ where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that we made the night as a repose. By the way, it's not just a spiritual repose. I did speak about the spiritual aspect of it and I spoke about the mental aspect of it and again, you know, I can, from every angle, I can show you the benefits. I can show you the benefits spiritually. I can show you the benefits um, psychologically and physiologically. Meaning, if, if we weren't sleeping, we would be stacking 24 hours. If we think that we have a problem eating while we're awake, then thank God we're sleeping. Because it's actually the one time that we're safe from ourselves. So when we're sleeping, there's this period of time, five, six hours, where where our body now goes into this fasting mode. It's not getting the food. And being in that fasting mode is really beneficial. So the first thing when a person wakes up, you don't want to run to the pantry and grab something to eat. You want to 
take momentum, which is on your side, and say to yourself that I'm not going to eat for another few hours. There's no need to. My body's fine. It's already in this mode. I don't need to shock it by dumping all this food into it and losing this, this momentum that I've gotten. Because the longer you fast, the better it actually is for your health. For, from, from a few different perspectives. You know, if my goal is to reduce what I consume, which, by the way, it's a goal of deen, right? The Prophet is telling us, don't fill your stomach. If you have to maximally, if you have to fill your stomach, then don't go more than a third food. That's the maximum. That's not the goal. We make it the goal today, but that's the maximum according to the sunnah. So for us, generally speaking, keeping the stomach empty is a good thing. We've been advised to do that. Spiritually, we've been advised to do that. Physiologically, we know that it's beneficial. So if you wanted to say to yourself, I'm going to try to keep my stomach empty, then, the t- then one of the things to do is to take advantage of the momentum when we first wake up and let the stomach remain empty for as long as we can. So for example, instead of eating at 8 in the morning, if you just said, I'm not going to eat anything till, till 10 or 11, and you trained your body to do that, you, the, the benefits of having not eaten all the way from the time you slept till that time, it increases over the, over the last few hours that you've been awake. So it's a very, very powerful momentum to take advantage of, meaning your body's already headed in that direction. The moment you eat, you reverse the momentum, right? So this is, they, by the way, they call this uh, intermittent fasting. What they mean by intermittent fasting is to just spend long hours of time where you don't eat. Now, we have that built into our deen, so there's a spiritual dimension to it. But I'm just saying, if you made a couple of rules for yourself, or we made a couple of rules for ourselves that, you know, I'm not going to eat two hours before I go to bed. Okay, So if I say I'm going to go to bed at 11, I'm going to make a rule for myself that from 9 onward, I'm only going to drink water. Okay, And then all of a sudden, now that's 9 to 10 to 11, that's two hours. Now a person sleeps another six hours, that's eight hours. And then two more hours, three more hours after they wake up, they're again not eating. That's going to be a long period of time in which they didn't have food. And there's benefit spiritually to keeping the stomach empty. There's benefit physiologically to keeping the stomach empty. It allows the body to, instead of worrying about digesting all the time, to look around and figure out what else it needs to do. I mean, I'm making it very simple. It's a lot more complex than that. But that's essentially how you can think about it. So again, what's the point here? The point is that there's a lot of benefit in taking advantage of momentum. I'll give you a third example. The third example would be when we come to the masjid. Look, when a person, for example, you came to the masjid uh, to prepare yourselves for a prayer, let's just say that you decide that it's a regular day and you're going to go and go, go to the masjid to perform Maghrib or Isha prayer. Let me make it Isha because of the timing today or in, in this season. So you decide you're going to go for Isha. There's a lot of effort that requires you to get up and move and get to Isha. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it can't be a big deal. And in fact, a lot of people can't even get themselves off the couch to get to Aisha. But to get to Aisha, you have to make, make an intention. You have to want to be there. You have to make wudu. You have to get in the car. You have to start it, or you have to walk over. Eventually, you have to enter into the masjid, right? That's a lot of energy that you put into developing a vector in a direction that you're headed in. Now, all of a sudden, if you run from the masjid faster than you came, then we, you lost, we lost the opportunity to be able to leverage all the momentum and energy that we put into getting here in the first place. But if a person, for example, makes a rule for themselves that when I come for Isha, then immediately after Isha, I'm going to pray my Sunnah. Immediately after I pray Sunnah, I'm going to pray Witr. And immediately after I pray Witr, I'm going to sit for an extra five minutes. I'm going to grab a Mus'haf off the shelf. In just five minutes, I'm going to read Quran daily. 
Don't make it anything big. Just five minutes. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read. Uh, if, if it takes me five minutes to read a line, I'm going to read a line. Or if it takes me five minutes to read a page, I'm going to read a page. Just every day, this is going to become my habit. Now, what happens? Number one, you leverage momentum. Number two, you're consistently doing something. And the consistency of deeds is extremely powerful because it becomes highly additive over time. And it's highly beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's something that we should consider by, by maintaining the momentum. And, and if you look at the opposite, you'll see the detriment of not maintaining the momentum. For example, I can tell you that the reason that so many of us are able to pray our sunnah after Isha or our witr after Isha is because we take advantage of the momentum of the masjid. For example, if I said to you, the masjid's closing immediately after Isha, everyone go home, there's a high probability that a subset of us would not even pray with or sunnah when we got home. Because the moment we get home, the momentum's not in our favor. It's much, much, much harder for us in this day and age to pray sunnah and witr at home than it is in the masjid because of the fact that when we get home, the wind blows in a different direction. And when the wind blows in a different direction, it's hard to battle upstream. It's much easier to go downstream than it is to battle upstream. So again, this is just highlighting the same premise, which is that there's this momentum that exists, and it, make, it is very beneficial for us to take advantage of that momentum. So for example, as a general principle, if you have something important that you want to do in life, very good, good idea to tie it into a prayer. For example, I might be very lazy. I might be a procrastinator. I might be someone who's not able to uh, do the things that I have set for myself in my mind. But if I make a rule for myself that, uh, for example, as soon as I pray Isha prayer, I'm going straight to the gym. I'm just dead rule. No changes, no discussion. It's just built into my routine. It's much more likely to occur than to just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to go to the gym, but I don't know when. Right? Or I'm going to do B, A, B, or C, but I don't know when. So if we tie it into a prayer and anchor it into something that already exists in our life, then essentially what we're doing is we're taking advantage of the momentum that exists with that to add another good deed or add another beneficial act to our routine. So I guess the simple, simple summary for today, all of us have goals. Alhamdulillah, all of us in our minds recognize the things that we're trying to achieve. But as we're trying to achieve those things, we also recognize that we may not necessarily have the willpower to always be able to achieve those things. So part of the understand, part of the wisdom of being able to achieve those goals is to take advantage of momentum that already exists, whether that be because biologically I'm designed that way, such as sleep, so therefore I need to rest, I'm going to, there's going to be that momentum of emptiness, so I should maintain that emptiness or whether that be because I'm motivated to go to the masjid because of the great reward and because of the opportunities that are present here. And so I've got that energy. So now I need to tie something else into it so that I can leverage the momentum that's generated just by the fact that I, that I know that I have that much himma, that much uh, willpower to be able to get myself to the masjid. So general principle, again, maintain momentum. That's essentially what we're speaking about today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who carry high and lofty intentions. And may He make us amongst those who are able to attain and fulfill those high and lofty intentions. Wa akhirat da'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.